0: Okay, let's, uh, I think let's do this. There you go. It's been so long, let's see if I remember how to start the show. (laughs) Welcome to the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. My name is Mark, and I'm coming to you from the bombed-out remains of my underground comic book dungeon.
1: And my name is Cruz, and I'm coming for, to you from live from the uh, uh, lovely comic book comfort suites in Denver, <laughs> Colorado.
0: Yes, he is, uh, he's on assignment. He's in the field.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So most of you guys will not know this, but there's been a very long time since we've recorded episodes. And all you know is that there's been... Mark has been too lazy to upload for a while. But by the time this comes out, you're like, what are they talking about? We've had like three episodes. Yeah, Marcus <laughs> fucked up a lot of shit with the podcast, but yeah, we, oh. we set to like record two or three weeks ago, and we bullshitted like we normally do when we start, and as soon like, Cruz put his headset down, and as soon as he picked it back up, my fucking uh, mixer, it just blew. Like, you, the entire comic book dungeon, the entire, like, it's several hundred square feet, you could just smell burned circuitry and ozone throughout the <laughs> entire fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to negotiate with Amazon for them to replace it, so we're back so,
1: back coming back harder than ever
0: yes so i we've had a few i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie we've had a few weeks we've had like where things have been lean with the comic book dungeon podcast I'm not gonna lie I have had thoughts of comic book fade and is this still is this still in 2018 twenty nineteen what we should be doing. And I've had to ask myself a lot of hard questions and I, I keep coming back to my love and commitment to the comic book dungeon podcast, which we're just going to be airing episodes that we recorded in July. So it's hard for me to argue. If you said you're clearly not committed, but we're going to keep we're, we will always be here for our loyal eight, le- eight eight, fans out there.
1: All eight, if you count, we have a list and we're checking it twice.
0: So it's good to be back. Um, I think that we, we have a lot of shit that we want to share with you. We have a, an issue, which I can't wait to talk about for uh, probably all the wrong reasons. And I've, I have been in suspense because there's a major plot point in this issue that I can't wait to see if we come out on the same side on this. I have a feeling there might be some, some real human drama on this.
1: Uh, you know <laughs> i remember what it was all i remember was it left a foul taste in my mouth after reading it i was just like uh this is, no kill raven you can do better <laughs> i
0: uh, i'm not gonna lie normally i would have reread this this issue i because i reread this one several times i've i've read this one two or three times now originally that was two or three times too many. I was not going to read this a third or fourth time. Uh but I I feel I read it so much and it was it left such a like you said bad taste in my mouth. We have it in front of us. We're just going to go through this. It's going to be great. And I can't wait to get to the uh the moral quandry or uh that uh that they were faced with and
1: Oh, yeah, okay, I remember now. Okay, yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I can't wait to discuss that. But man, we it seems like I, uh, a ton of time since we've uh, we've recorded last. Uh, what have you been doing, comic book or nerd related?
1: Uh, let's see. I uh, I have bought things. I have not read them. Uh, I, I bought uh, volume two of Black Hammer, the anthology, and it's still sitting in my backpack waiting for me to read it, which I eventually will get to.
0: I have a lot and... of unread Black Hammer, like all the peripheral uh, stuff. So yeah, I hear you. It's a good series, but I it I, is. I, it's like I want to savor it.
1: It is a really good series, and I am enjoying taking my sweet fucking time with it because it is that good. Um, and then I picked up oh shit! I don't remember it was a Batman book. I need to look. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna open up my fucking my geek backpack here, which I carry with me on the road, and it has my PlayStation and all sorts of other geek related items. Uh. Yep, yeah, crinkle, crinkle, crinkle. Let's see. In here, uh, yep, there's Black Hammer. And also, right behind it, there's a receipt in Black Hammer, which shows I did start reading it, but I'm going to have to start all over again. Oh, yeah, I got Batman White Knight.
0: Okay, I am unfamiliar with that.
1: Yeah, apparently the Joker goes sane, and it drives Batman crazy.
0: <laughs> it, uh, it might surprise listeners to know, because I'm not sure if my anti batman attitude to come out on the show before, but uh in the last few months I bought a, a batman graphic novel nice yeah d c had a nice comicsology sale and there was I'm not a big Superman fan either, but a series that i I loved the the first volume of was Superman year one and or not year one earth one and they had a whole that all the earth one stuff was on sale, so I picked up superman um earth one volume one and two and i picked up batman earth one uh, volume one so i'm real excited it's like more it's I, if you've seen man of steel i feel a lot of that was based off of superman year one it's okay. kind of a grittier uh contemporary telling of like these like these heroes it's like uh uh, uh origins and I, I thought the fucking Earth Superman one was great, so I can't wait to dig, like reread that and dig into the Batman one. But anyway, yeah, sp- I'm stealing your
1: thunder. Speaking of Man of Steel, I've I've rewatched it uh, at least two or three times since I've been traveling, and I've come to terms with the damn movie. <laughs> um, I love what that else? movie.
0: I thought it was great. I know I'm the odd man out. I'll take it.
1: Um, I, I have fallen back into the Destiny 2 hole. Yeah, uh,
0: Schneider, baby! has been playing a lot of Destiny, too. I I think I'm the odd man out on that as well.
1: Yeah, I saw he was on uh, earlier today, but he was, like, AFK, so I didn't bother him. Uh, Doing that, uh, playing a lot of freaking Zelda on the Switch, and playing a lot of Pokemon Go and Pokemon Let's Go on the Switch, and I picked up today, or yesterday... No, today I picked it up this morning. I picked up uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate.
0: I've been waiting for that to come out. As in, that's the first game that has online capabilities that I would be willing to actually play online. And since you're the only other person I know who has a Switch, I, I was, I, I'm not going to pick it up right now because it's. If you pre-ordered it like on Amazon like months ago, you got like the like a, a small discount. I think I might wait for that to drop a little bit. Uh, because I like I got I pre-ordered Demon Souls and uh or Dark Souls I mean and that has just sat unopened. I have not had a lot of time, but yeah, I would love to do some online Smash Brothers with you.
1: Oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I I bought it mainly because um uh, I promised my my twin daughters who are age eleven that as soon as the next Super Smash Brothers came out for it, I would pick it up because we. And in the, in the crew's household love playing Smash Brothers. So, And seeing as how I hijack the Switch every time I go on the road, I, I figure I had some time to unlock a bunch of characters for when I brought it home for them.
0: Um, talking about co-op games and the Switch, we're uh, recording uh, like 48 hours past some super exciting news that I thought I would never see. Um, I, I didn't really give a shit about the video game awards, except for I heard there might be a Metroid Prime Trilogy announcement for Switch, and instead, surprisingly, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is finally happening, it's been nine years since the second one came out, and we're finally getting the third, and it's a Switch exclusive.
1: When is it due to release?
0: They have not put out any information on it, except for the trailer, which, the trailer, uh, I didn't watch the whole thing, I just kind of skipped around on it. It looks really fucking good. And, I mean, as long as it follows the... A lot of people didn't like the second one as much as the first one. They're both different games. I thought they were both good in their own ways. I loved them both. The only... I'm hoping that we've... What this company will do, it's... And I know some people hate the paid DLC. But I'm hoping, like, say like the, the thing has 25 or 30 characters or whatever. If they keep continuously putting out new characters, I will continuously pick them up. Like, I have almost... Everything unlocked in that original, uh, um, Ultimate Alliance. I cannot tell you, like, I have everybody maxed. I have almost all like the simulator missions beat. I only have like two that aren't. Like, I have, I have done almost everything you can in that game. I have all the characters maxed in the second one. I mean, if they keep putting out content for that game, I'm somebody who would continue to be a consumer. And yeah,
1: I'd be down to play it. I just. Uh... Do you do you, uh,
0: do you know what some of my favorite Ultimate Alliance 2 memories are? Cruz? Uh
1: yeah, probably something along the lines of this.
0: <laughs> so one night cuz I my my uh comic book ex-girlfriend used to uh we used to do a lot of co-op games, like that was our couples activity, and we played uh my ex-girlfriend and Cruz and I, we played a lot of co-op on Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2 and there was one night where you got totally loaded while we were playing and you would just your character would just go in the background and just be like running in the opposite direction and it was like us trying to like push you into the boss battle so we could beat a level.
1: Oh man, I was not at a good place at that time. No I was drowning myself in alcohol and constantly falling asleep <laughs> while we were fucking playing games constantly
0: um, yes and constantly. we just we we would crack the fuck up because like, that there was like a, a couple weeks i remember it was the washington d c deadpool level and it was like right before the boss battle, and we were just trying to like nudge your character into the <laughs> arena so we could just finish <laughs> the level and save <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh shit.
0: So I'm, I'm quite excited. As soon as the pre-order is available for that, I am pre-ordering it. I'm super surprised that's a Switch exclusive.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, hopefully it speaks to Nintendo trying to get their online act together.
0: Well, I mean, this is a big couple of years for Nintendo. Did you, did you know like that, uh, I think it's supposed to be next year, if not several years, that they've made a deal with Universal. There's going to be like a Nintendo Land at Universal Studios. Oh, really? Yeah, you're going to walk around and be able to take pictures with, like, Link and fucking uh, Mario.
1: Well, I happen to have two season passes to Universal that I just got because I was such a good boy at my new job.
0: Nice. I We love Universal. The Harry Potter shit is quite fun.
1: Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, my Mrs. Cruz and I are... Once, once I told her that, hey, look, you know, they, they sent me an email with a whole list of different things I could pick, and I was like, hey, babe, why don't you pick something? Because I don't, I don't, I don't know what I, I don't know what to fucking pick. <laughs> so she went with the universal tickets for the the universal season pass, and we were like, cool, you know, like we're gonna go. Like I, I've got a three week break from work uh, starting like December twentieth or some shit. And after the new year kicks off, we're going to go and uh, go down to Universal and spend two days down there. Checking it out and going to Harry Potter Land and all that good shit. Because we have, I've I've only been to Universal for the uh, Halloween Fright Night or whatever the hell they got going on. Yeah. And I, I've only been there once for that.
0: Yeah, I think you, you and your family are going to love it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. The, the yeah,
1: plus the tickets aren't super expensive for, like, a one-day trip or anything, so we can bring the kids and everything. And with this gig, thankfully, I get a lot of hotel reward points, so, like, hotel accommodations will be pretty much free. Nice. Oh. Woop woop.
0: I have been, in my, my off time between, like, you know, my jobs and, and school, what I've been really pushing hard on it's I got way behind with Marvel. So between our last episode we recorded and this one, I've knocked a bunch of those back issues off the list. So I'm almost nice. caught up with Mar- you know, Marvel Unlimited runs six months behind. There's a few issues that I, I like, a few series that I try to stay within, you know, current of. I might be a month or two behind of reading them. Like you, like you, like you said, like you, you said on, you said on Black Hammer. I have a couple that I've like the Punisher that I'm a couple issues behind, but I've bought. But the big news. In the last couple months, is Marvel finally brought the Fantastic Four back? So I think I'm fully current on that. One issue might have come out within the last week or two. Fucking awesome. I'm a big FF fan. I'm really liking this new series. Marvel, over the last several months, has done like a. They brought back Marvel uh, 2 in 1, and it was featuring the thing and the human torch, and them coming to terms with, uh, like, the, like, kind of searching for the other members of the team and them coming uh, to turn for the loss. That was a really great series, and it led into the new uh, Fantastic Four series. Good shit. So I'm really excited about that. I just finished the Phoenix Resurrection series and Jean Grey's back in the Marvel Universe, which she has been now for most people, but, like I said, I've been a little bit behind. Yeah, I just, a couple months ago, read Secret Empire, which was really good. Um, I mean, really... I was on the outs with Marvel for a while, and I'm not going to lie, more, the majority of that was how bad, the bad taste in my mouth that Civil War II had left, and I'm finally kind of back fully on board with shit it took like a, a couple of years, but yeah, I've, I'm really excited with a lot of the stuff I'm reading, and one series that I was not looking forward to because I thought its time had passed, and again, it just seemed like a, a nice little grab for Marvel because there was a, a new TV series out, but uh, I've I've really... It, I thought I had kind of moved past my interest in this, and it just it felt like going home again, picking it up. And I think you would really love it. Is the new Runaway series?
1: Okay, yeah, I've I've seen that on shelves and everything. I just I haven't haven't uh, started trying to pick them up because I I really did like the Runaway series. I enjoyed what they did with the uh, with the show on Hulu, and I enjoyed what they're doing with, what they did with Cloak and the Dagger. And i i really like i really like Netflix one, Netflix ones, but now Marvel's pissing me off a little bit as they canceled all the Netflix shows. And well, I know why; it's because Disney's going to be starting their own streaming service, so they're kind of pulling away ties and sharing profits with uh, Netflix. Hulu, they'll keep going probably because they own a share of that.
0: It, it feels like. I've been saying this for years with like the movies, but I think this is this might be a move too far where you're pissing people off, and it's showing that the the bubble's getting you know the too much surface tension, and maybe this stuff is about to burst with the 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 media properties. But I I've been yeah. saying I'm going to keep saying that because eventually I'll be right.
1: Um, you, you probably will because what I hear in in the wind on what little internet freaking scavenging I've done is the uh, disney streaming service is going to be more focused on the bigger hero stories and i liked jessica jones luke cage not so much iron fist but definitely daredevil because these were these were not like world shattering events they were dealing with these were like neighborhood superheroes that were trying to just keep the places where they live yeah, street level. You know, they were street levels. They were street level heroes, which was really great. And they're gonna lose that perspective with this new streaming service, which I think is gonna suck because these street level ones were great. They were super gritty, and yeah. I mean, fuck. Oh, I loved Daredevil. Punisher, not so much, but Daredevil was. Fucking phenomenal
0: yeah I mean, it's I mean take this with a grain of salt because I'm somebody who, who it was on my high horse and didn't watch them i I think this is a bit of a mistake like you said Netflix is going to take shit in a different direction that Disney was going to I think it was helping your brand having somebody else helm these because you're like you said you were getting different product from different places and people really like the grittiness of these series and Let's be honest, you're not going to do that, Marvel. You're not going to, to have no. the same edge to it. And this is what people wanted. So, I mean, it's... I mean, you could argue it was diluting the brand, but I think that was what was needed. You you needed yeah. those other stories. Because, I mean, I've always loved... Uh, I'm not going to... I've always loved Luke Cage. I mean, well, not always, but since the the new Avengers run and Brenda's kinda redeemed, Bendis kind of redeemed redeemed the character... I've loved uh, Cage. I've loved Jessica Jones. Like, Luke Cage is my favorite Avenger. Uh, I really love Jessica Jones. The, the, both both uh, her original series and her new series, I think if you ever picked up, you would really love. Daredevil is somebody who I've, I didn't start reading until, like, uh, the last ten years, and I'm a big fan of. Punisher I've always, as you guys know, a big fan of. This was shit that it's, it's a little sad, even though I, wasn't, I didn't partake of this. Iron Fist, I love. The series, from what I've heard, they made him absolutely unlikable. They made him unrecognizable to his comic book equivalent, and yet people yeah. just didn't like He was like a kind of a whiny bitch.
1: Exactly, yeah. He was totally a whiny bitch in the fucking TV series, in the Netflix series.
0: So, yeah, I agree with you that they're gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as I know... I think uh, Daredevil's done after Season 3, which got released like a month ago. Jessica Jones, they're going to keep going. Luke Cage is done, and Iron Fist is done. Punisher's still going to keep going, but um, that's it. And, and I'm kind of a little butthurt about it.
0: Um, just to go back to Runaways for a second, do you know anything about the new series? Not at all the first episode or the first issue it's like the how the first issue starts out so it's not really like a spoiler especially i mean if you look at the cover you absolutely know what you're getting and the reason there's a major status quo change with the runaways like from that first page so i did not think that this was going to be good and i i'm super i was super wrong about it uh So stop me if you don't want to know what happens on like the like I said it's literally on the cover you know what what's what's coming, um, they bring Gert back to life. Okay, and but it's it's crazy because of the dynamic shifts that that entails because you like her her boyfriend goes back in time and rescues her before like he like teleports her to um oh what's her name Nico. And he's like, you need to fix her! She's dying! She's bleeding out, like, right now! And so she's like, I've used all my healing spells. She's dying, like, right now! And they're trying to, like, figure out, like... You know, Nico was just hanging out. It's, like, 1130 at night. And just... You know, (laughs) he just walks in with, like, a dying girl. So, you know, like, it's... She died in the comics. I mean, it's, like, 10 years ago, publishing time. They said it's only, like, a year or two comic time. But it's... You know, like, when they were... When she was dating Chase there was like a year or two gap. So it was already like, he was like, like she was 15, he was 17. So it was like already kind of weird. So now he's fully an adult because time has changed and, you know, he's like an adult. And so he's like, yeah, you're my girlfriend. She's like, No, it was already a little not okay, the age gap. And she's like, now it's kind of creepy, man. And so, (laughs) yeah, they're... So, I mean, it's this whole world that... Because she's like, where's the rest of the team? And they're like, we don't know. Like, it's... We don't really talk anymore. And this person's dead. And, you know, like, we have not been a team for forever. And she's like, that was my yesterday. Like, so she's trying to get the team back together. And, you know, it's like, well... Molly lives with her grandma, and, like, Caroline is in school, and everybody has their own life now, and so she's, met, she's like, how could you let the adults separate you, and, but we're adults now, so, you know, it's, this was your world, but this was years ago to us, like, I don't know if you ever read, a, a Avengers, what was, oh, I'm blanking on the arcade series, where, he uh, he pitted all the young heroes against each other, and a bunch okay. of them, like, killed each other. And, like, a, you thought at the end, like, oh, a lot of this is going to reset. Like, no, a ton of people just got killed, and killed by other teenage heroes. So, I mean, Nico and Chase were in that, and it fucked them up, like, really bad. So, it's like, oh, Avengers
1: Island? I don't know. And it's... I, I remember it.
0: Yeah, so I mean, he goes like so they're like how could you let this happen? Well, you know, I was on the psychopathic island where I had to murder people. You know, I had my own shit. You know, I was kidnapped from the team and when I came back, everyone was gone and you know, I was all fucked up. You weren't here, you know, stop fucking judging me. So it's <laughs> it uh it it's, it's pretty good like just seeing like where they're going to go with this and I mean, if you were a fan of the original series, I uh like I said I went in not wanting to like it and it's uh, it's grabbed me.
1: It sounds good. Yes,
0: yeah. I was about to say, you know, what doesn't sound good is some uh, uh, kill raven. <laughs> this is just the Runaways podcast now.
1: Well, I mean, it's we're the old here lace for KR. podcast. Come on, we're here for <laughs> KR.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the old chase pot or the old lace podcast. <laughs> We are on the run from different locations cuz we're trying to escape the pride. I am your host Chase.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Come oh. on. Let's go. Let's go on with some freaking baby eating goodness.
0: Okay. I uh, I've got it open. Let's uh let's do this. This is uh <laughs> if this if this is your first podcast with us, what we're really covering, the, uh, the, the series that we're in the twilight of, we're almost finished. If we had stuck with our schedule, we would have been, st- like, the next episode, we would have been on, the, uh, on Star Trek. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're almost done with uh, Amazing Adventures, featuring War of the Worlds, starring, starring Killraven. This is issue 36 of May of 19, uh, 1976. So our next issue will also be from May of 1976, but that is going to be the uh, Marvel Team-Up, where Spider-Man is fighting Martians with Killraven. But unfortunately, Sweet. the world we live in, that is not the issue we're covering today. <laughs> we're featuring episode 36, The Legacy of the Lost.
1: Yeah. I, I will say the cover looks nice.
0: I, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to be honest. Okay. Before you read the story, did you know who that was fighting Killraven?
1: Which, the tentacles?
0: No, the the person who is lunging at him with a scimitar.
1: I I thought that was, um, oh fuck. Um, what's her name? Camilla. You know,
0: Camilla Frost. Camilla.
1: Camilla Frost.
0: I, I did not put that together until I read the episode, or until I read the issue. So <clears> anyway... Kill Raven. He's into some Japanese tentacle porn here. He is like being grabbed by a bunch of tentacles, and he's got oh, a very. Yes,
1: he even there's even one aiming at his crotch.
0: There is one aimed at his crotch.
1: He just needs one in his mouth, and it'd be it'd be freaking <laughs> it'd be gangbusters in Japan.
0: You, you could tell he's not enjoying this, which would make people, you know, into hentai really enjoy this. But uh, well, then we have a female uh 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 pro, uh antagonist on the cover who's got the scimitar she's jumping at him she's like going to stab him in the heart and the the her word balloons what she's saying is today the war of the worlds ends kill raven with your death
1: and that is
0: so spoilers that is Camilla Frost and I just I never put that together as I was flipping through this issue that Camilla Frost would be lunging at him like trying to kill him so this was not so I feel stupid now that I—it's clearly Camilla Frost, and I had to put that together. <laughs> it is a very dynamic cover.
1: Well, I mean, she's always had a bit of an adversarial relationship with him.
0: Yeah, but she's going full uh, like Temple of Doom on him. Like she's gonna like cut out his heart. She's full right. Kali Ma like mode right now.
1: Well, maybe he freaking called her woman one too many times.
0: I. I can't wait to get in this episode to see if you're on Killraven's side or uh Camilla Frost's side cuz I was actually a little surprised what side I shook out on. So there might be a little okay. bit of tension here.
1: Well, let's let's let let's proceed on our merry way and figure it out.
0: <laughs> this is going to be a real short fucking episode.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> I, I do like this this opening page. I do like how uh the the credits are are uh, just incorporated into the uh, the background. Yeah, so this is Don McGregor writer, uh, Craig Russell Layouts, Sonny Trinidad Finished Art, David Hunt lettering, Phil Rocher, colorist, and Marv Wolfen is our esteemed editor.
1: Yep, and uh, uh, we open up a full page, full page splash uh, set on the Nix Olympia volcano on Mars in December of 2019. So, on exactly a year in the future.
0: And if you recall, because I, I opened this and I was like, "What the fuck?" Because it's it's been eight years. So, uh, we our fans or us or you may not remember we left Killraven. Remember, he was in a cemetery.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the twenty-four hour man.
0: The (laughs) twenty-four hour man. So I'm like, how did he go? uh, Get from there to uh, to to Mars, and that will
1: find a spaceship.
0: Yeah, buckle up, readers, because we'll we'll explain this one. Uh, Just you gotta give us some time. So, because Killraven, he's fucking confused as well.
1: Yeah, but when isn't he?
0: So yeah, because he thinks he should be uh, in uh, back in the United States. He's unsure why he should be kneeling in grass and now he's like sifting through this martian soil with his fingers and I just,
1: it feels so real
0: yeah this this is such a cool opening page he's kill raven is drawn uh really well the yep. background is like it looks like he's in like you can see space you can see way too many planets that you would see from mars but whatever uh it, it looks really good
1: yeah and uh Basically, uh, yeah, he had been in the grass and it turned to red dust in his hands and he's kind of just like mind blown about the whole thing.
0: Yeah, so it's nice that he's just as confused as we are. I thought that was a, a clever way to start this issue.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Let's try to hold on to that feeling, shall we?
1: Yeah, just savor, savor, savor our enjoyment of the opening. Just savor it because it's it's gonna be washed away in ashes soon.
0: He's he's walking. He he looks up at the sky and he sees Phobos and Deimos. Which I don't know about you. I'm I will never forget those names because of how much time as a as a, a teenager I spent playing Doom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. See, I didn't play that much Doom, so yeah. That's yeah, I was all like, "Hey, look, these are the moons of Mars. How cool!"
0: So he's wandering this Martian landscape, and he's just trying to figure out how he got there. Why is he alone? Right. And, and uh, yeah,
1: geez, <laughs> it takes him a while to figure that out.
0: I I love on page three the 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 full length right like panel on the right because he he sees a gi- what looks like a giant turtle with uh, some Martians on the back, but the the scale there. I thought that turtle was like two or three stories high. That turns out when you see it like scaled, it is not. They're just, right. you know, it's the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. But I mean, I'm like, man, that thing is Gamera. I mean, this thing looks huge. Like it could take out some skyscrapers. But uh, Yeah, you're,
1: you're, I'm thinking like Stephen King turtle proportions, you know. <laughs> but no, no, you, you scroll over and then you're like, oh, wait. Yeah, it's, it's about the size of, uh, I'd say bigger than a Beetle, more like a microbus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, but yeah, I mean, I, at this I'm like, man, that thing could again could wreck some buildings, but no. So anyway, he was alone, and all of a sudden, he's uh, being uh, attacked by Martians on Turtleback,
1: which that's random.
0: Yes, it's surprising that in the middle of this Martian desert that you're gonna see these these turtles. I mean, I know turtles do live in the desert, so I just we, we I'm familiar with that, but it's just it's not what I was expecting.
1: Yeah, when you actually get to page four and you get to the top panel, it looks like they're jousting with turtles, which is I thought was pretty fucking cool. That's
0: exactly when I first looked at that. I'm like, because I I didn't know that they could see him, and I'm like, there's like, yeah, these Martians are totally jousting on turtleback, but that is not what's going on. It's a pincer movement with uh, uh where he, like they're coming at him from different sides, and yeah, he's not having that. So uh, he pulls out his silver star, and he look for he's looking forward to killing these Martians, and uh, unfortunately, these turtles, who seem to be innocent bystanders in all this.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, you know, they're 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 just domesticated turtles. I mean, what did they do?
0: Yeah, and as soon as he starts to attack them, um, it's just the uh, like he he hits the soft underside of a throat, and it just it just they they disappear like it's a dream. And then he's left alone on the Martian landscape, and then we cut to our real location, Windsor Forest, Georgia, as far as you could be from Yellowstone National Park, in okay. December of
1: 2019. Okay, now see, here's one thing I, I will say. Uh, I've been meaning to freaking get up and do a Google map of Gil Raven's travels, and, and seeing is how I've now pretty much traversed the fucking map in real time in real life, what in the fuck were they thinking like is there no form of like navigation that's available to him i mean does the sun no longer rise in the east and set in the west consistently how could he be so fucking off course
0: do you remember two issues back the high overlord commented on that they're like he's supposed to be on his way out here but he's we don't know what like what why he's going in this direction he's very lost
1: maybe this is just his master plan to throw the martians off his trail i don't know but it's what the hell he's just anyways he's going he's going to florida
0: to go to what was it the i was gonna say bisbee land or whatever non-existent park the punisher to gun down those uh those fake terrorists and that is where he's going
1: there you go oh so yeah
0: and i was a little concerned on this page i was afraid that he like he was gonna come to and uh one of the animals we were introduced, like a couple uh, issues back, like the ostrich or the saber-tooth tiger, was gonna have a silver star in its neck from his hallucination. <laughs> so I'm glad that's not what happened.
1: Right. So yeah. So now he's he's, he's back in Georgia with you know Michelle, and Carm and Old Skull, and he's just kind of like, what the fuck? So basically.
0: Yeah this this is where the issue for me this page is where we start to go off the rails. Right. So uh Mashula is making fun of him because he's uh he knows he was mind uh, he was mind swapped as that's what he he calls it. So apparently when he was hallucinating he was acting all this out in the grass. So he was walking and you know playing with the grass like it was dirt and then like attacking non-existent Martians there. So is kind of making fun of him for
1: that. Right. Yeah, well, you know, I I think there's been a little bit of tension in their relationship lately. And uh, this is just uh, Mishula's way of kind of, you know, poking a little fun at it and trying to break the ice and ease that a little bit.
0: I, uh, I feel they broke the fourth wall, uh, wall a little bit, this page. And mm. I didn't like that.
1: Mm, this, fair enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's not like we haven't had a few moments of comedy, but, I mean, it really felt out of place here. Um, right. Meshula offers Killraven some uh, some need that he, uh, he made or created, and I, I think I even texted you a picture of Killraven. It's very comical, like, the look on his face when he drinks this, and he... So, I thought that was a bit out of place, the comical drawing of him, but what really loses me here is he asks Mashula, where did you get this wretched mead? And he says sarcastically, the same place you uh, keep finding uh, silver stars, or uh, the same place you keep finding to replace those silver stars of yours. So, pointing out that you know, he keeps using them and he keeps getting more of them, I could have done without that. I, I always just I, I I thought I I imagined that he just had a a large supply with him that he'd eventually run out of. So poking fun that this isn't a real world where they can just have things without having to scavenge them, I thought really broke the tension of the last episode or issues because that's resources. We need to find some place fa- safe to 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 stay the night. We need to find food. Like we need to. That's that's been a constant concern of theirs, and now it's like a cartoon world where oh whatever you need, we're just gonna have. Didn't like that at all.
1: Mm. Fair enough. Your thoughts on that? I, I really hadn't paid it that much oh. mind, but I, I see your point where it is a bit of a fourth wall break, and it does call call attention to that a little bit and lessens the impact of, of how they've been constantly struggling for, for resources. So exactly. I could see how that could sour you a little bit on it.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I didn't need uh, a She-Hulk or Deadpool fourth wall breaking in an episode that's all supposed to be all about the the, 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 the realism and the tension.
1: Right. So yeah kill Raven, since he can't get along with his human partners takes comfort in the animals.
0: <laughs> yeah, which I'm glad that yeah. he didn't accidentally oh. kill any of them with his silver star when he was having this little episode in the grass, which I was right. I guess I shouldn't have been <clears throat> as concerned about.
1: Yeah, and he touches base with old skull. I I guess it's kind of a, a call, you know, kind of a a roll call of who's where and they ask about Camilla and you know, it looks like he's got some, I don't know, rabbit or something on a skewer that he's cooking.
0: I thought this was a little bit douchey of Killraven. And it, I think it's really kind of indicative of his mindset where he asks old skull, you know, has Camilla Frost been supervising your preparation of the evening meal? And to me, it's like, he's, he's asking like raven or, uh, old skull like, Oh, has she been hen pecking you? You know, her like bossy Camilla and I thought he—it was a gentle rebuke, but a rebuke none the same. That it's no Camilla Frost isn't bothered. It was like he was. It sounded like Hill Raven was trying to shit stir a little bit, and Old Skull rebuked him a little bit for it.
1: Way to go, Old Skull! <laughs> I
0: agree. But uh, I mean, the only the only character that I can really get behind in this issue is Old Skull. At least up to like up to a uh, until later in the issue, because I mean, Old Skull is actually very thoughtful on this page. Because old uh, Kill Raymond's asking him what's bothering you. You know, you're holding your flute, but you're not playing. You know, that's usually what you do, even though we've never seen it before. You know, what's bothering you? And uh, really, turns out he's just being introspective because uh, he's thinking about the loss of uh, Grok and Hawk.
1: Yeah, yeah. My question though is, where does Old Skull find the wax for his mustache?
0: Yeah, I mean that is quite the hipster mustache. It's it again. It's what makes <laughs> him look like Doctor Mindbender. <laughs>
1: But yeah, he is—he is deep in thought and thinking about them, about Hawk and all of them. And understandably, I mean, old school ultimately, I think, is like a gentle soul amongst these people.
0: And it—I again, I don't think this paints Killraven in a, a good light because again, he's like rebuked because. Uh, Maybe that's not the right word for it, but I I, I feel this is a gentle, like, it's a whole old skull, it's like a gent, he's chastising him a little bit, but gently. But it's just the, you know, I'm thinking about our recent losses, and don't you ever think of them? And I'm thinking about how um, maybe Hawk was trying to save Grok, and he put his right life on the line for him. And do you think the same way? And, I mean, you even see, that. I think this is really great, like, the look on Kill Raven's face, like, yeah, you know, that must have been it, that... That that's a good way to put meaning behind his death, but I mean it, it felt like Killraven is a leader, he just like, oh, we lost, you know, a third of our party, who the fuck cares? And he like moved on. So this yeah, yeah I mean it's it looks like really this is the first point that he's showing any sort of introspection on it. Yeah. And that's yeah. a shitty leader that you could suffer those sort of losses and it's just like, oh, I'm gonna dust off and I mean it's the difference between I think what you would imagine Captain Kirk versus Captain Picard. The anthology-almost-esque nature of the original series, where it was like the episodes didn't connect at all, he could lose four red shirts, and he wouldn't even mention it in the captain's log at the end of the fucking episode. But, you know, if there was ever a loss on the Enterprise-D, you, you had a feeling that Kirk felt, or Picard felt that a lot more.
1: Yeah, and, and it was even referenced a little bit in later episodes.
0: Yeah, I mean, you so, would... Yeah. It, he had, like, two and a half times the crew, but yeah, I mean, you really had that feeling, like, man we lost this person and this is who they were. And I didn't know they played flute with data every, every week. Like, wow, this is a big loss to all of us. Let's be quiet and reflect on it. And
1: yep. Well, it just shows KR a douche.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it did not paint him. This, this issue did not paint him in a flattering light at all. And to, like, okay. I, again, I think maybe towards the end, I, I, I kind of uh, flip on that a little bit, but I can't wait to get there.
1: So we uh, we cut over to uh, way far in the west.
0: Yes, yes. You know, really far.
1: two-thirds of the way across the country from where Kill Raven's at. <laughs> to Yellowstone to, Park. To Yellowstone Park, you know, in what looks like a giant glass dildo.
0: Yes, that's exactly what it looks like.
1: Or a vibrator. It looks like a budget giant glass vibrator.
0: And I gotta say, I thought this part was really cool. That, okay, so it's, um... Old Faithful, it's the geyser, and the, um, the Martians have, like, put a giant dome around it, and, yeah, it's to capture the heat and the moisture. Right. Um, Yeah, that's a, that's kind of a, not exactly sure why they would enjoy that, because it's so alien from their natural environment, but maybe that's why?
1: Well, maybe it's, it's so that their human slaves can live comfortably.
0: I think they'd be more comfortable not being in a, a dome full of scalding hot water.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: But yeah, I, but yeah, I, that may be something as like a Martian, you know, you wouldn't, there weren't geysers of hot water on Mars, you know? So it's something that it might be a luxury because it's something so alien to their own environment.
1: Right. So inside this, this giant phallic dome, uh, we've got, uh, what's his name? The Overlord?
0: Yeah, the High Overlord.
1: The High Overlord. You yeah, know, I would think his armor would rust, but hey, who's, you know, who the fuck am I? Um, you know, chilling out with uh, a bunch of his, uh, human slaves.
0: So, I didn't understand this at all, because again, they're in a dome full of scalding hot water. Wouldn't that be burning the, uh, the human slaves as it's coming down? I would think so. But, uh, let's, let's just go with it.
1: Right, so he, he's being welcomed to their mercenary training grounds, which is apparently what Yellowstone is, and uh, they, uh, he appeared in time to meet Deathraven, question mark, exclamation point?
0: Yeah, so Death Raven, he is the uh, like he's the head of the like you said Yellowstone uh, Park is the training ground for these Martian like elite sol- uh, soldiers, and the leader of the training ground, the head of the training gar- ground, is Death Raven, Kill Raven's
1: brother. Right. Okay, that's a little backstory there would be good, but uh, I'll, I'll roll with it.
0: So. Again, we see some of this uh, hot water hitting his armor, the High Overlord's armor. And again, it doesn't do anything for him because he's got a... Oh, it's dual corridors designed for Martians uh, form led to the lava caverns where the elite would gather and bathe in the scalding red liquid. Such heat and color are more vivid and far hotter than human blood. But, of course, that was long before they knew the color of heat of a human life and liquid, and long before their dependence on such substances. So we, they're talking about their newfound hunger for uh, uh, human blood. Again, human there's babies. a lot of... Well, go ahead.
1: Human babies?
0: Yes. There's a lot of exposition here that I feel is a little bit unnecessary. Yeah. So, yeah, he's likening the, the geysers to this lava uh, on Mars... But, um, so we yeah. have word of, he he's telling Death Raven that they have word of Kill Raven. Because, uh, again, it's even here, they talk about that he's, uh, really off course because they're talking about how he killed, uh, Scar in Chattanooga, Tennessee.
1: Yeah, I've been to Chattanooga.
0: It seems your brother is somewhat off course. And, uh, it's still a little, little weird. Bit. Because Kill Raven says, brother? Question mark? So, yeah. did he not know he had a brother?
1: Uh, apparently so apparently that- he he either thought his brother was killed when they were abducted or didn't survive the uh gladiatorial arena
0: yeah, I thought this could go either way because it was like brother. Like I didn't know that he was coming, but I knew he was out there. Or brother, I never knew I had a brother. And if it was that second one, that's a really weird way to tell him that you have a brother just out of nowhere. Oh, I'm here, and I'm glad that you're putting on this. Or it's you. Your human arrogance is making you put on this display. And he's like, not at all. We're just involved in like normal training games. Well, I'm here because I'm like I'm setting a trap for your brother. I have a brother. I mean, you would think that. If you were setting a trap for him here where his brother's at, you would have prepped him for that ahead of time.
1: One would think so. And then we get another fast cut with no explanation. Yep. Where uh, there is a young Mar- Martian sliding through some red dust, and there's an old Martian that's gliding toward him, implying he has more ease with his environment. And uh, this young Martian is... not perplexed this young Martian is distraught and uncomfortable and the old Martian is perplexed as to why
0: yes and uh, so we we cut to like you said we're on Mars and then they go through a a door and they're in a giant basically underground uh, facility and this is where we learn that the Martian landscape here and the Martian landscape we saw in the beginning it's a simulation it's a simulation of the uh, of the Martian homeworld uh, so Martians at, on Earth can feel more at home. but we as you said, this younger Martian he's never been to Mars. he's one of the the generation that has been born on Earth and has never known their home planet. so where this old this older Martian finds comfort in uh, the uh, nostalgia of going home. Even though this younger Martian, he feel his physical body has been adapted. You know, it's better served on this Martian landscape. It's an alien landscape to him.
1: Is is he a Martiannial?
0: <laughs> yes, that's a <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good way to put it. Because as we see, as time goes, as the issue goes on, his values are uh, deviate a bit from the, those of the older Martian.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so they've got that simulation to acclimatize them and, you know, kind of get them used to that. And uh, apparently there is some disagreement between the younger and the older Martian that they're arguing with furiously, telepathically, of course. Yes. Uh, let's see. What is exactly their beef?
0: Oh, um, he's not sure their ways of conquest are necessary, like the, the absolute destruction of mankind he sees this as violent and aggressive and unnecessary, and the old man's like you, you know if you had grown up on Mars, you would not feel this way. this is our way, this is what is necessary and he's a younger, and like they say, like many of the younger ones, he's questioning the brutality of it if it is really necessary
1: right, so is this like a little Martian birthing arena
0: Yes, so this is a surgeon's area, and I like how just like in a an operating room, you have those upper that upper level, and we've actually seen this a few times now. But so there's yeah. a Martian preg- uh, a pregnant Martian, and instead of, like, this internal, like, womb that the Martian comes out of, it's instead they they, they they compare it to a plant that buds. Like, they say it's like a pear plucked from a tree. There's just this red, tiny red growth on the side of this Martian. So the younger Martian comes in, and he's got this uh, surgical tool that he uses just to basically pluck this uh, tiny Martian life form off. And it goes into this little life support pod, but uh I'm just going to read a little bit here. Uh, so the Martian's still agitated from his uh argument of uh with the older Martian, but he doesn't let that his, he appears agitated, but he does not uh but he uses his tentacles deftly uh, for removal. A pear plucked from a tree, uncomplicated. The tree does not celebrate the tree doesn't mourn. A simple transaction has taken place. That is all. The immunization process is next, most important, but still uncomplicated. So, I mean, there's no fanfare for a birth. It's just this alien, these things reproduce asexually. This one has started to bud. So there's just this little mini one on the side of its head. We're going to grab it off. It's not a big deal. We barely consider it alive until it's emerged from this, this chamber. And we're going to just put it in uh, this, like, like, uh, like I said, this little box. And it's going to go. Uh, they're taking it to the next step of the process, which we'll cut to later. The immunization process.
1: Yeah, it kind of kind of looked like he was lancing a boil.
0: That's exactly <laughs> what it looked like. That's a really good point.
1: So you know, and I, it, it cuts back and forth because I, I, I it's shifting perspectives because it cuts back to kill Raven. And he, he repeats the phrase, a pear plucked from a tree. So I guess he was having another mind swap, as Michula likes to call it.
0: Correct. So, yeah, we see our my, band. What's up?
1: My, okay, here's my question. Okay. Where is – okay, Okay, never mind. My, I've answered my own question. This is not Yellowstone where they're doing this. This has to be someplace close by. Yes. Because I, I was wondering about the range of his freaking visions. But, yeah, I I I'm, I'm remembering now that they're coming upon that facility. So, duh.
0: So my question is, because several well, issues back, everybody was having so, fun, so much fun with Killraven and his Serpent Stallion that in an unexplained way, Camilla Frost got her little like saber-tooth tiger and Meshula uh, got his weird ostrich creature. So they didn't even take time to explain where, that was, where they got them. It's just, oh, this will be fun to add to the story. Why couldn't old, old uh, Skull get his own creature because now we see he's got his groin pressed directly into kill raven's butt as they're riding her serpent stallion and again i'm not trying to be crude about this but if you're just making up non-existent stuff for fun why wouldn't he too get his own character it's like oh old skull just has to ride bitch with kill raven i mean it's just
1: because he he likes the animals he doesn't want to ride them (laughs) Just,
0: just a little (coughs) weird for me
1: yeah, I know, I know. But, yeah, so they come upon this fortress, and uh, uh, I guess Kilraven's aware that they're, it's basically like a Martian nursery.
0: Well, he he knows, it sounds like he knows that, yeah, the Martian infants grow like fruit on a branch, and the severing of parent and child is nothing more than that to them. The tree doesn't celebrate, the tree doesn't mourn, so it's a little recap of what we saw on that previous page. But he wants to hit it, That he wants to attack it, as he says, there are more Martians residing within that domain than we have seen since the days of the Arena.
1: Right. Well, I think he has a ballsy freaking you know little speech where you know he's like we've suffered a terrible loss when Hawk was killed, and it seems like he's trying to utilize their grief over that to stir them into a, a, a killing frenzy inside this place. Correct. God, Kilgrave was a douche.
0: I don't know. So, this is where this starts to turn for me, and but we'll we'll get to that.
1: So they 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 charge in, freaking you know, swords drawn.
0: This is actually, I think, really cool. You have the older Martian and the younger Martian. They're sitting up on this like butte uh, on this rock, just staring at the Martian landscape, like in the you know, like staring at uh like the the Martian moons. And as that's going on, you see. Kill Raven and his group, like, stalking across the Martian uh, environment, like, sneaking in. Yeah. And, I mean, this is where we really get it. The younger Martian's asking why the elders advocate for the total annihilation of all humans. Like, why is, such, why is this necessary? It doesn't seem, because in his mind, it's, it's, like, to quote here, it, it does not seem a necessity nor even desirable. Right, and, and I like this because it, it, it points out the older Martian, even the younger Martian's body language. He's pointing out he's his tentacles are are moving in this anxious manner that even reminds him of how a human would move their hands when they speak. So again, he, it's like he's showing body language that's alien to to like the Martian norm from being born on Earth. So,
1: right, and uh, yeah, they're they're going on in and. There, There is a little blur by, uh, I guess, Mashula about how he'd never seen a pregnant Martian before, and they go over the Martian reproductive cycle.
0: Yep, they are genderless Mashula. They reproduce asexually.
1: I like Meshula's little quip. Well, they always did strike me as being kind of dull. <laughs> yeah, I, I
0: like that a lot, too. So, Raven does what he does best. He sees an obstacle in front of him, so instead of trying to figure out a way to, uh, you know, say to 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 get through it he's just just i'm just going to use a silver star and blow my way in it's the quickest simplest solution so (laughs) here we go this is this is where the issue where i think this issue could have been handled better but i like if you if you're like me like to dig into minor unnecessary bullshit this is where the issue i think shines in its own limited way Okay, so they blow a hole through the Martian, like the simulated environment, and now they're inside the nursery.
1: Right, there are alarms going off, even though our, our intrepid party can't hear them.
0: And while they're stalking through and getting making their way to the nursery, we keep we like we get a lot of uh, captions that are documenting the argument between the two older the older and the younger Martians. And right. again, it's just that the younger Martian doesn't understand why this. Uh, this this annihilation is necessary and why they need to completely destroy humanity and their culture.
1: Right, and while that's going on, yeah, our our wrecking crew is deep in the heart of the facility trying to figure out where they best strike at.
0: And I, I like this caption here. And the lecture continued as they stood on the rim of the world. This dependency on humans as a means of nourishment must be eliminated, even if they are a delectable meat.
1: Tasty baby flesh.
0: So, like you said, they as we get to the bottom of page twenty-three, they're just in this giant room that has just these just row after row of these baby Martians and incubators. And that's actually when yeah. I turn the page. That's exactly how he describes them: rows upon rows of them, alien incubators, thousands of infant marshals squirming in foul liquids. And he says they must be destroyed.
1: And Carmilla says no no
0: yeah it's she's a very emphatic
1: no she's listened to his strategies and bowed to them because you're a clever strategist strategist than i although for a time i thought you lacked even that ability
0: this is not the moment woman you may mock me or challenge me when we are not in the midst of battle and i shall listen or scoff as the situation demands but if you ever ch- again choose a battlefield to hold moral debates i will take my blade to you
1: uh, at this point, where Old Skull's holding back Mashula. Yes! And, and Karm's like, hey, the battle hasn't even begun until we butcher the first defenseless birthling. So, she has a valid point.
0: So, I. As much as I didn't like this issue, this is where it really shined for me. And so, this really. Mashula wants to jump in because Killraven just threatened to take in, like a knife to his girlfriend. And so now. But uh, she, Camilla has taken uh, out, out her weapon, and she is going to stop Killraven from butchering these defes- def- as she calls them defenseless uh, birth lanes. So yeah. they're they're about to go at it. I'm just going to read her dialogue because I just I mean again this is this is the, where the issue sh- like the one point where it really shines. This so battle yep. hasn't begun, Killraven, until we butcher the first defenseless birth lane, and there's no better time for moral debate than before a slaughter. A massacre that will live in our minds each day and night for the rest of our lives. These are not suckling babies, woman. Within the year, they will be feeding on human flesh and blood, adding to the ranks of those who subjugate our planet. I do not make this decision for pleasure, but for necessity. And this is where the Martians ambush them. So here's my question, and this is my, what I've been dying to, to know since we, started this, uh, since we read this issue or who whose side do you take on this
1: Jeez. that i uh, that is a that that is a that's a tough one i it is a tough one given given what he describes as their life cycle within a year they'll be eating humans i think at this point as much as i i agree with karm's moral high ground i also understand kill ravens feel that this is something that is a necessity because they are frankly losing the war so if i were to plant the flag i mean if, if 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 i were in that situation i i would have to plant my flag with kr
0: okay i i'm a pretty liberal dude i think you're a pretty liberal dude as well so it actually really surprised me and I actually – I had to stop and, and and really take stock of my feelings on this because I normally in a situation like this I would have felt very divided or I think nine times out of ten I absolutely would have come to uh, a Camilla Frost. Uh, uh, I would have come to her side. I was surprised by my complete lack of, of – any moral pause i don't want to say any but how i was i was unequivocally on kill raven's side and that really it actually took me by surprise and i actually had to i had to think about this a lot and i guess i mean if you how much time i put into this you could argue this is a good issue for how much it made me think cuz i'm like you know if this was say star trek and these were romulans or Cleon babies would i have a different would i have a different feel on this would i have a different opinion and the yeah. answer is yes and it, yes. and my question was is it because they're humanoids that i would uh, i would value them more and is that in itself not a prejudicial attitude and what i came back with is no and i think that this actually kind of robs the issue of a little bit of power it's that especially as i've every time i've reread this they went out of their way to completely show that the alien the aliens that are removed are the Martians don't value them as children or as infants. They're basically just, I mean, it's like a larval state of their life cycle.
1: Right, yeah, it, yeah. They did, they did kind of emphasize that earlier. It,
0: it is literally at this point like an abortion in my mind. Right. And it's, it may be a little one step past that. But if I'm going to keep the well, – I'm going to go back to the Star Trek metaphor. Like you said, they're absolutely killing, losing this war. Sometimes in war you have to do distasteful things. And again, I don't think I think women and children, you know, are completely different than, you know, they're non-combatants. But however, sometimes when you are losing a war, sometimes these these rules blur. And I always think that you should have a moral code that you go by. So I'm not saying that because things aren't going your way, let's start slaughtering innocents, but you are a big deep space 9 fan. And a quote from Major Kira kept popping back into my mind, where where her, where many in the, the in in the Alpha Quadrant and especially the Bajorans themselves during the occupation, occupation viewed themselves as freedom fighters. The Cardassians, absolutely, while they were occupying Bajor, viewed them as terrorists. And there's an episode where. She, uh, Kira is debating with this Cardassian that, you know, you guys, you were, you know, she, she calls them butchers, and he calls that, uh, you and your friends were terrorists. You kid, like, you blew up this compound with women and children, they were non combatants. And she screams in his face. There were no non-combatants. They never should have been there in the first place. You put them there so you would, you know, we wouldn't attack. We were fighting for our homes. We were fighting for our very lives. And if by blowing up a facility like that we could get you off of our planet to stop exterminating us, I would hit that target and I would hit it again. I would do it again today. And I very much I felt uh, fit this situation where, like you said, there's not this organized resistance. The the resistance is these six people. And if by killing Martian infants, even though they don't value them like we value human babies, the fact that if you make this costly enough, because I think they would view that as a resource loss, if you make this war costly enough in terms of resources, you are going to get the Martians off the planet. If you are not going to do this, there is not going to be a humanity anymore. And so... If that means that they have to kill these Martian infants, and it's not something that any of them are looking forward to, but if you hit, say, several of these complexes where you're endangering, we might not have a next generation of Martians, this is costlier than we wanted, it's absolutely worth, if it's going to win this war. Because it's not like they're fighting for political reasons. Like, they emphasize multiple times the Martian agenda is the complete extermination of the human race. Right, and you have to get your hands a little bit dirty. It's not like he's torturing them. It's not like he's taking pleasure in it. It's a, it, it is a, it's it, it's an acceptable. It, it's an ex. It, 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 this is a military target because uh, I mean, kill rate. It's not like we. It's not like that we went into Martian territory. We went to Mars and was just just bombarding just cities indiscriminately. This was a legitimate military target. And because of that, because of the nature of this fight and the insurgency that they're, they're, they're fighting, this was a legitimate military target in my mind.
1: Yeah. And I had
0: no, no qualms about if this was right or wrong in my mind, this was absolutely actionable and they should do it.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think morally it's, I don't think it's right morally, but I think as far as the strategic plan is concerned, it's the only one they have, so
0: I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I don't think it's morally a question of any more than any sort of taking of a life. I think because of art, how we view infants, and if you don't mind me saying so, I think you feel more on this because you're a father of four. I think you're projecting human. What human infants are on the, on, on the Martians when that is not their life cycle. Fair enough. So, I mean, I think that speaks very highly of you, that you're projecting that empathy. And I had to do a lot of soul searching for, I'm like, why don't I feel that? And I think it's, again, because I think if a Martian, if that Martian doctor had found a flaw in that infant, I think he would have terminated it and never given it a second thought.
1: Yeah, know, well, you put it that way. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I think you're actually absolutely right. Yeah. So, so yeah, maybe I am being a little touchy-feely because I've got kids of my own.
0: No, but that's – I mean it th- that's what we do and I think sometimes it's a negative that we project our own values on others. But in this situation, I mean I think that speaks highly of somebody that even as they showed that to a Martian, that baby is nothing more than like a collection of cells. It has no more value than like a, a, a group of tissue – the human the humans here are valuing it more because of our belief system because of how we value children. So I think that's good that you're you're you, you're you're valuing life, but in this situation I think it's it's it doesn't apply. I think that the Martian life cycle is so alien from ours to project a, what a human infant is on it. It's it's misplaced and I think that Camilla 1 this was a conversation they needed to have outside when Kill Raven brought up that they were going inside a nursery. And two, I mean, this is not the place for it. And I just, it's it's just, it's not, again, I just, I think it's distasteful. I agree that the, it's distasteful that they have to do it, but I think it's a legitimate military target.
1: Agreed. Agreed.
0: So see, as bad as this issue gets at points, I think this was a really good conversation. And I, I think that that's what they were trying to, to get to, is is this legitimate or not? Is he a a butcher or not?
1: Right. So meanwhile, the old Martian and the young Martian are uh, busy arguing, and the battle is ensuing in the uh, simulated Martian environment.
0: I just want to throw out here, and i i i I, I hope I didn't. I, I hope I was not bullying you with my my opinion. I know I was very i. I I was very... I don't want to say... I I hope I wasn't overly aggressive arguing my point.
1: No, you have a a, a very sound point with very sound reasoning and logic behind it. and I I could totally understand that. I understand where you're coming from on it, and I also understand that where I'm coming from is from a slightly different aspect, and I'm projecting that into this situation, which is kind of unwarranted, because you're right, it is a totally different life cycle.
0: And I'm hoping that our fans... Because if you guys think I'm a, a monster right now, especially I know if people didn't read the issue and see the the little pear shaped little growth of tissue, it's <laughs> like a tumor. <laughs> it, this is on Marvel Unlimited now, so I I think people should read this. But if people think that I'm a monster right now, that I'm a war criminal, that yes, I would love to get that in the comments. And if people find my logic wrong or flawed, I would love to get that that debate because maybe there's a side of this that I haven't thought of. I if you can prove me like I said I feel like I normally I'm a pretty liberal dude and for me to come out with like man they should go across the mar- like the countryside blowing up nurseries it's not something that I thought <laughs> when I picked up this issue that I would be that guy and that's totally the guy I was that I mean I think I mean if that's what they would have to do to win this war I mean they should be there should be burning Fetal Martians just littering the environment. And I, I would be okay with that. So if you if you were against if you're pro Cruz or if you're anti Mark and his just indiscriminate Martian baby killing, comic book dungeon podcast at gmail.com. Because I mean, yeah, it's funny, but I mean I I might be totally wrong headed on this and I'm willing to like I said, I would I would love to hear different perspectives.
1: Well, I, I do hope that garners some attention, and, and we do get a little feedback on that one. <laughs> what page are we on? Page 30. And,
0: oh, 27.
1: 27? Yep. Oh, I'm skipping ahead. Bad Joel. Bad cruise.
0: Well, they – anyway, in this – yeah, it, it's – they're they're ambushed by the Martians. They start to fight their way out, and uh, while this is going on, this is not over with Camilla. She's She's super pissed. At Kill Raven for wanting to continue with this, but however, it's since they're ambushed, they don't have enough time to kill all the Martian babies and flee and and get themselves to uh to uh, to freedom to escape uh, before they're attacked and they're uh they're they're cut off from escape. So they got in there, they looked at the the babies, the Martians found them, and now they're just trying to uh to to fight their way out.
1: Right. So as they're fighting their way out, they blow a hole in a nursery and escape into the simulated environment where the uh, mentor Martian and the pupil Martian are sitting on the butte, and they see them come. They see them escape out into the waiting clutches of a horde of Martians on Turtleback.
0: Yep, we we got a whole a whole uh, platoon of Gamers.
1: Hey, what do you call the plural of a bunch of turtles?
0: <laughs> Tortai.
1: Uh, okay, I got to go to Google for this one, man.
0: It's a murder.
1: <laughs> a fever. Um. Yeah, you know what you call a group of turtles? What's that? A bale.
0: <laughs> I didn't see that coming.
1: Yeah, you call it a bale, or if they are sea turtles, you call them a flotilla,
0: or if they're a bunch of angry turtles who are going to tear down somebody's lights, you call them a Christian bale. <laughs>
1: true nice nice so yeah so uh Raven and company uh jump right into the path of a bale of turtles
0: <laughs> um, this is actually a I've, I've changed my mind on this issue a little bit since we've been covering it this is actually when this is a uh, it's got some moral issues and this is like a really fun fight because yeah instead of this just turning into like man we're in a, da- a bunch of danger Killraven just starts killing a bunch of martians and turtles
1: <laughs> yeah. yes yeah. of
0: yeah it's just so awesome he knocks this uh, the silver star uh, he throws it just, and it's just like his uh, his little dream sequence in the beginning so the silver star leaves Killraven's fingertips uh, the throat this time is solid and vulnerable and so he literally slits a Martian's throat with this silver star and he falls dead off of his uh, war turtle
1: yeah, he is definitely on a rampage.
0: And so, and I'm going to come off as such an asshole, this issue, because then we go to this next page where there's this liberal, you know, younger Martian who's been advocating for uh, uh, human ra- the human race this whole time, so he's watching this happen, he's not that far from the battle, so... He's kind of wiggling his arms around because he's agitated because of this battle. So Killraven just lops it off with a Silver Star. Yep, and it, I'll, I'll circle back around to it. So he they they rout the Martian soldiers on Turtleback, and then this like liberal, this more liberal uh, Martian millennial uh, Martianennial uh, is like, man. I'm, you know, I surrender. We don't really know why he's waving his arms, but it was supposed to be non-threatening, and Killraven doesn't even think about it. He just throws his star and lops off uh, the arm.
1: Hold on. If you circle back a little I, bit. I
0: will circle back.
1: Uh, to page... Oh, what page is this? Because there is a panel up in page 30. Uh, in the middle, uh, the young Mar- Martian's protests, though he scarcely understands what it is to which he objects to. He throws himself in the path, waggling his arms like crazy.
0: Yes, okay, thank you.
1: And, and uh, yeah, then freaking you know, Killraven lops off a tentacle.
0: So in the middle of a battle where Killraven is systematically taking out threat after threat after threat, this guy launches himself in front of Killraven, waggling his arms crazily, and then he's surprised that uh, he gets hit. He gets, he's, he's, uh, he gets one of them lopped off yes so that that's what happened so we go to this next page 31 and they escape i hope they got their mounts back but i'm sure they did because that's how it always happens if we see it if it makes sense or not but they're bounding in the lower gravity uh through this martian landscape till they escape
1: and they're like hippily hopping like freaking bugs bunny
0: yes the young Martian's blood vanishes in the dust. The old Martian doesn't console him. The, absent, or the young Martian no longer notices such an absence. The old Martian's tentacles sweep toward the immunization ward. You want mar- mercy for these humans? They gaze upon what they, then gaze upon what they have wrought. The incubators are cracked by the, blast, by the blast in the wall. Earth microbes, a legacy of the human race, infect the moist forms that writh in the inoculation fluids. The young Martian watches them perish and does not mourn. Right. So they ended yep. up murdering the the babies accidentally.
1: Yep. And the young Martian at that point has gotten to the point where he's coming around to the old timer's view, and he doesn't really care.
0: Yep. And Kill Raven, he realizes that he this was the guy that he the Martian he was shadowing in the beginning, and he's back in his mind and he realizes like he said the Martian who came at us and you were right woman we have lost more than we have won at a defeat because he realizes that this younger Martian who was more sensitive to human needs he's hardened his heart as he's sitting there as a with his maimed limb and i don't i don't agree i just i don't agree what was this younger Martian one he threw himself one he's living in the United States, that his people have conquered, as they conquered the earth, so he's sitting there in a facility, um, on conquered soil, and so you are, you were a. I don't buy that you're a non-combatant. You threw yourself in the middle of a conflict and were waving your arms in a, con- a manner that it, to to a combatant seemed aggressive. And again, I just I'm not advocating shooting non-combatants. I'm saying any Martian who's on the planet at this point, and I know this sounds shitty. I know it does. You're a combatant. You're a legitimate military target.
1: Right, fair enough. Now, let me let me spitball and play devil's advocate here though. What if this one particular Martian was was the just just one of potentially maybe many initial seeds of a of a of a title shift in how the Martians treated humanity. I mean, what if this Martianial, we'll call him, was, you know, like, um, you know, what if he was like the 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 germination of what would have been a Martian civil rights movement for humanity?
0: Has he eaten human flesh?
1: Maybe he's a vegan.
0: I'm not sure. I mean, they don't clarify as he if he's eaten human flesh. The I would guess that he has at some point. I, okay. He
1: has. I would guess that he has. I, I, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. But who's saying they don't have Martian like vegetarians or some shit?
0: Okay, I and I I'm not I, I I I'm I'm saying that there there could possibly be Martian vegetarians or Martian vegans. However, for. For Killraven <laughs> to sit there and be like, okay, one, he could not have possibly known that he was not violent. There was a bunch of armed Martians trying to kill them. And yes, did they invade their facility? Were there non-combatants? Could somebody argue non-combatants in this facility? Killraven could not have known. He, I guess he did know some of what was in there. But he could not have possibly known that this guy was not a threat to him. And I make the right. argument that no matter how liberal this Martian seems, he is a threat to humanity. This facility was built on the extermination of the human race. Again, this is not a political difference. This is about the annihilation. These Martians have come here and stolen the planet. And their mission is the full annihilation of mankind. So, I, I saw nothing in here that led me to believe he was like, Oh, we should go back to Mars. We've done the humans wrong. It's the. It, it could be argued his point was we should continue to subjugate them, but to use them as livestock is wrong. I didn't see anything yeah. compatible with that. So, I don't. Right. So the fact that he's gone from a slightly benevolent conqueror to a more, uh, uh, benevolent conqueror, he's still a conqueror, so he's still a legitimate military target. So for, I don't think Hillraven should, should mourn like, oh, I lost some sort of possible ally, he's still, he's still a conqueror, he's still living on the backs of human oppression, which makes him a legitimate military target.
1: Fair enough. I, I, I see your point there. And, and I, I do agree with you. Well, I, I do have to play devil's advocate because this – as much as we both may have uh, scoffed a little bit at this uh, particular issue, it, it both of us spitballing back and forth, it has raised some very good moral questions
0: i I mean I think maybe I have a different perspective on this i mean i spent I spent a year in Iraq, and so you know, with that, you know i I was hit with a couple IEDs, and you know i small arms fire was a daily way of life. I never you know I, I have my view on this is not in any way indicative of, say my view of the Iraqi people or say Muslims. This was a political difference, and I think shitty things were done. On all sides, some of it for expediency, and it was a shitty thing. It's shitty that I think war ever has to happen, and I can understand an Iraqi perspective on how they could view occupying forces and that nature in a in a less than flattering light for uh, Iraqis for their daily life. How many checkpoints they had to go through? You would wake up in your family home, and the next day there might be a fucking a corpse in your front yard. I mean, right. I understand their perspective on stuff. And I mean, like, I work in Dearborn, which is the largest center of Muslims in the United States. I work very closely with Muslims. Like, I don't have I, – I don't mention that to say that I have any, any ill will. I'm saying that that conflict is not indicative of, say, what this conflict is. The only thing that I can think of is that stupid, like, Independence Day – with that stupid speech from Bill Pullman where he's like, you know, this isn't a a normal war. This is our, like, we're fighting this war for our right to exist. And that's what they're doing here. And I just, I, I mean, it's I don't want to say that they have to push every Martian off the planet. But for there to be a victory, that's what it feels like it has to be. And I'm not saying that after they've won the war, it's right for them to... Oh, the Martians have surrendered. We're just going to, you know, line them up and kill them with a flamethrower. That would be absolutely atrocious. That would be a war crime. But I think while they're fighting this war to determine the fate of mankind, and again, it's not like they're strapping Martian babies to 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 bunkers so the Martians won't attack it or something like that. I mean, these are these would be atrocities. But I think to these these killing that. These, This is a legitimate military target, and anybody in there could be argued as a legitimate military target. And I know I sound very cold, but that's what this is. I would make that argument. I would I would probably feel bad about having to do this, but if I were a freedom fighter with Killraven and I had to blow up a couple of these Martian facilities, I would understand it's what had to be done.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. It I mean, again. I, I, I totally get your point on that, for sure.
0: And I don't feel bad for this little Martian with his little fucking stumpy tentacle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you probably, before like b- before the start of this issue, had to wipe baby blood off the fucking side of your mouth. So, I mean, just, oh, the Martian Conqueror feels a little bit of angst after building his fucking home on the skulls of children. Oh, no, now he's had to feel some slight discomfort living in his conquered home Fuck you. Fuck you.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
0: he's I mean, his head should have he, he should have gotten an exploding silver star to the head and it should have exploded. He, his head should just be hollowed out. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah. Okay. So well, that
1: wraps up this issue.
0: Yeah, if you uh hate warmonger Mark Hawkish your Mark and want to talk, a uh, uh, push back against his sociopathic tendencies. Comic book dungeon podcast at uh, gmail.com. It's, it, I guess, it's hard for me sometimes in my head to, as is, is militant as I am about the destruction of like the occupying Martian force, this is very much at odds with many of my liberal values. So it's odd. there's a little bit of dissidence there, but I mean, again, it's, I mean, this is, this is what that. The Martians engineered this situation, and it's – humanity does not want to have to commit these atrocities. And I know this sounds very trite, but it's, it's – they designed the situation. It's the only way out of it. Right. But Fair enough.
1: I understand, and for the most part, I actually do agree with everything – all the points that you very ably, ably – freaking made uh i just had to play devil's advocate with you a little bit (laughs)
0: i'm just so mad at that last fucking those couple panels where it's like kill raven's like oh we lost more than uh than what i realized fuck you fuck that little hipster douchebag fucking um uh, uh fucking martian i mean he's like a slave owner who's totally cool with the slaves until there's a misunderstanding and then he asks his dad to like whip that one, at, you know, a couple extra times. Fuck you, dude. I mean, he's for him to sit there and now to be angry that he was maimed in a war that uh that he's profited off. Fuck you. His whole right. life is 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 propped up. The food he eats, even if it's not baby, which I I'm assuming he's he's taken in some of that. It's all stuff that's been stolen. And uh, and and provided through human death and misery. So for him to be like, "Well, I'm gonna eat this baby, but feel a little bit of guilt for it." Fuck you, fuck you. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm totally major Kira on this one. I I I totally get it. It's I'm I'm whatever. I'm done belaboring the point. I'm gonna finish no, this podcast, got, got and I'm gonna fucking murder some Martians. Fuck Camilla Frost. <laughs> fuck you, Stinking bitch! Heart. Yes, man. I hope they fucking ream her ass out in that next issue. It's gonna get like uncomfortable for Spider-Man because like Pillraven Raven and her are just gonna be like bare knuckle boxing over this, right? Man, fuck her face over this. Fuck you, doing that in the middle of a combat situation. Anyway, I'm 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 just being an asshole at this point. So if you, uh, if you want to be an asshole too, write into the comic book dungeon podcast at gmail.com.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, where can we find you?
0: Uh, you can find me anywhere that there's a human being bathing in the blood of his Martian uh, adversaries. I will be there. But I think specifically you meant you could find me on Twitter at uh, uh broken LMD that's life model decoy, broken LMD. Where can we find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on the instagrams at uh comic book dungeon podcast on instagram
0: outstanding this was a fu- uh, this this there this was a, a kind of a shitty issue but i felt this was I, I this has been a lot of fun for me as uh for as a podcaster
1: <laughs> yeah i i mean i think we 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 did kind of go into it with a little sourness <laughs> but uh, I think the the fun we had with the moral dilemmas that uh our merry band of heroes was facing definitely made it more interesting than we originally thought it would be.
0: I am more concerned about if they're like if they had to leave their animal mounts behind than I am about the 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 hundreds of dead Martian babies
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> mounts are cool, dude,
0: yeah, yeah, well, they're innocents in this conflict.
1: Yeah, I, I do wish we had a bit of a backstory on the other two mounts, though.
0: <laughs> I mean, those Martians are literally being nursed on the blood of human babies. I just, I can't see a compelling argument of why they would not, like, why we would spare them. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to say uh, happy holidays to all of our listeners, and no... Just because of the scheduling, it looks like we're not going to have a uh, punish sem or yeah punish sember this year. In this episode, I'm saying like Merry Christmas. It will probably come out in April. But uh, yeah,
1: well, Happy Easter.
0: Yes. So uh, <laughs> I guess you know this is Mark reminding everybody out there that <laughs> don't shy away from murdering those Martian babies. I guess this is the takeaway message for me. Right. <laughs> Good uh, <laughs> Good night everybody.
1: <laughs> good night. Keep turning the pages, y'all.
0: And keep killing those Martians.
1: There you go. And that is a fucking <laughs> Oh
0: man. Yeah. It doesn't come out sometimes what a giant sociopath I am. And I, just, I think it's just a, every once in a while we peel that back. <laughs> You're the heart and soul of this uh, this podcast. You were the uh, uh, you were the heart. you
1: just, you're just you're like, fucking, like just kill all the fucking babies just fucking
0: I I stand by that. If if the rest of this series was them blowing up nurseries because they're like, "Man, if we take out this entire next generation of Martians, they'll leave." I think they should do it with a heavy heart and it should weigh a little bit on them that that's what they have to do, but they should fucking do it.
1: Yeah.
0: I guess this is an odd pick for a, a going out song. This is very much a associated with the '70s counterculture, and I'm talking over my hawkish military policies over top of the song.
1: <laughs> oh man. Oh, it is what it is. Hey, that one is wrapped. I do happen to love this song, though. What's that? I do happen to love this song, though.
0: Oh. Um, who? I mean, I, I we'll I we'll never get proof that this is true, but the I'm blanking on the person's name who sings this. Uh, Jefferson Starship. It, it's well, Jeff, Jefferson Airplane, but uh, the the woman who sings it. I forget her name. Oh, um, uh, yeah, yeah. So she grew up with a... From, she came from a very conservative family. And it was like, when she went to this all-women's college, she just kind of, you know, she was exposed to new ideas, and she became very liberal, and, you know, she she got into, like, the rock music scene, she was, like a, like, a war protester, and at one point, Nixon's daughter was throwing a tea party at the White House, and she was inviting all these people that she knew from college, she had gone to college with this woman, and... They didn't realize, like, she changed her name when she, like, became this, like, huge liberal activist. And they didn't realize, they didn't realize that it was, like, the same person. So she got an invite to join uh, Richard Nixon and his daughter for tea at the White House. So she, like, very much addressed the part. But she went into the White House with a huge dose of LSD. And at the tea party, she was going to slip it into Richard Nixon's tea because they, uh, they, they were going to drug Richard Nixon with LSD. However, oh, oh God. the Secret Service was on point because they were vetting everybody who was coming in and somebody recognized her as this counterculture singer from Jefferson Star- uh, Airplane and she was denied entry. But can you imagine a world if she was allowed in and Richard Nixon had an LSD freakout?
1: That would be so awesome. That
0: would be fucking awesome
1: that would be rather epic. I would I would I would God, was this was this while he was doing the whole Watergate thing?
0: Here, let me let me see if I can get some more information. Jefferson Airplane Nixon LSD My friend was part of the free speech movement at Berkeley. He did a little bit too much LDS. So, little little Star Trek, little Star Trek four. Um <laughs> The time Grace – okay, her, her, her changed name was Grace Slick. The time – Right, that, yeah. Yeah, Grace Slick tried to slip LSD to pre, uh, President Nixon. Okay. So, I mean, this is just one website. But, I mean, this is out there. If you Google it, you'll find multiple sources. That doesn't make it true. But this is a story that Gra- uh, Grace Slick has told multiple times. Nuts. Oh, in April 1970. So, in April 1970 – so, this was pre-Watergate uh, – I believe Slick received an invitation to attend a tea party at the white house thrown by the president's daughter, Trisha turned out that Trisha and Slick were both alumni of Finch college an all girls school located in upstate New York. Trisha was a recent graduate and Slick who attended under her maiden name, Grace wing attended in the 1957, 1958 school year. I'm not really an alumni because I didn't graduate. Uh, I got an invitation in the mail Grace Wing, we cordially invite you to a tea. Uh, Trisha Nixon at the White House. And I thought, oh yeah, I think Tricky Dick needs a little acid. So Slick invited Abby Hoffman as her date to the April 24th event. Hoffman was one of the most notorious members of the counterculture. He had recently been on trial for inciting unrest at the nineteen sixty-eight Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Advocated dumping LSD in the Washington D.C. water supply, and engaged in notorious or numerous anti-government demonstrations and pranks, caused to draw attention to himself and his causes. So the FBI had, and the Nixon White House had files on both Grace Slick and Abby Hoffman which seems like a good idea. Branding them as domestic security risks for their anti-establishment views and actions. Let's be honest. He was talking about drugging the entire water supply in Washington, D.C., so this sounds like a prudent measure on the part of the FBI. Um,
1: For once, yeah.
0: But they had made no connection that the invited Grace Wing was the the not-welcome Grace Slick. Uh... Uh, That they were one and the same until the day of the event. So Slick and Hoffman showed up at the White House for tea April 24th, 1970. Slick had 600 milligrams of LSD powder in her pocket, more than enough to provide a powerful hallucinogenic experience for anyone who ingested it. Her plan was to tuck it under her long fingernail and simply gesture over Nixon's teacup during conversation and slip it into his drink. The plan never happened. Hoffman was still recognizable to the White House guards in Slick back hair in a business suit. Slick was told, we checked and you're a security risk.
1: <laughs> so they were turned away at
0: the door. <laughs> I mean, I, we're laughing, but let's be honest. I am not advocating drugging a sitting president of the United States, but it is a hilarious story.
1: That is great. Uh, yeah, that's that's awesome.
0: Um, this is completely off subject. Um, a game. I know that you have a plethora of games you're playing now. A fucking game that I think you will like. It has been my, even though it came out a couple of years ago. I just picked it up like seven, eight months ago, and it has been my game of the year. Ghost Recon Wildlands, best game I paid played, played hands down all fucking year.
1: I have heard good things about it. <clears> yeah, I've never
0: this is my first Ghost Recon game cuz I've always been turned off by like the 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 stealthy military fucking uh like combat games. This is this is more like Grand Theft Auto if in Grand Theft Auto you are a secret or uh, a special forces operative in a South American country. You can carjack right. anybody. You know, you can go into a mission and be very, like, snipey and secretive, or you can use explosive drones in fucking uh, C4 and just blow everything the fucking hell and then run over anybody who's left alive. It's just, it's fucking awesome.
1: <laughs> cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot, I think a lot of, or I've read online a lot of long-term fans of the series, it turned them off because it's, the unwashed masses such as myself have enjoyed the game so much. But,
1: uh... <laughs> I
0: put a lot of time into it. It is a lot of fucking fun. It was I caught it on like a flash sale, and yet, like I said, I I I put a ton of time into it. Right. It's the only thing that sucks. It's like if when you max out your level, you go into tier one mode, or you can you can turn it off and just not like level up anymore. But it's like every level you go up in tier one mode, the difficulty ratchets is up, ratchets yeah, ratchets it up. Ah, Can't talk. And uh, I've hit a point where the game, everything is just just ridiculously difficult, but, uh, but yeah, you can do four player co-op in it, or, yeah,
1: I've seen some hijinks with that,
0: yes, it's, it's a ton of fun, especially, like, um, like I said, I, I, I always rig my, uh, uh, drones with, uh, uh, explosives, that, or, I mean, it's, I can't tell you how many, like, oh, the best way to do this mission is, like, stealth, and I'll just go in with, like, a, a rocket launcher helicopter and just destroy everything. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it is a ton of fun.
1: Sweet. Yeah, well, I, I might, if I see it pop up on sale, I might get it. I mean, because I Jen uh, G- went uh, Black Friday shopping, and she got me uh, the fractured butthole for the Switch. Yeah, and I, I wish I would
0: have gotten that on the Switch. I got it when it first came out on the PlayStation.
1: Yeah, so I still haven't even freaking loaded that one in yet. So I still have Zelda, Fractured Butthole, uh, fucking a shitload of Pokemon stuff, and fucking Smash Brothers. I mean, I'm frankly inundated, which is good because it keeps me occupied in the hotel rather than going out and fucking blowing money doing stupid shit.
0: Well, do you ever play uh, on your laptop, like, any Steam games?
1: I used to, but frankly, my laptop is uh, showing its years, and it's not running anything particularly well. Uh, I, oh. I I think, like, the only things that run well on it anymore are, like, Sunless Sea and fucking, like, really low demand indie game.